Blog Talk Radio. Greetings all and welcome to Getting Loopy. It is Monday, May 28th. Happy Memorial Day for those of you in the U.S. who are so inclined. And join us every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern for a little loopy fun. Um, what's going on here? Um, there was no show last week, so you didn't miss anything. Um, unless you were not in my amazing class at the Northern Illinois Crochet Guild chapter, we had 25 people show up for the two color color work class and we had a blast. It really was a lot of fun and big out shout out to all those people. And thank you so much for having me because we had a great time. And then I was at prime publishing working on some videos for all free sewing and all free quilting and fave crafts. Uh, no crochet this time, which was weird, but, you know, we do what we do. And then I traveled to see some friends, and then I got home, and now I'm getting ready to uh, go see Little Loopy. Little Loopy had hip surgery last week. Um, all those years of Irish dance have finally caused her hip to have unfortunate problems. So uh, they had to shave down the bone and sew up a label tear and all this other kind of horrible stuff. So she is fine. She came right out of surgery. It was apparently textbook. Um, she says it hurts, but it doesn't hurt any worse than it did when she was dancing. So uh, hopefully she'll be feeling better soon, but she's on crutches right now. So that is an interesting thing for her, who's very active in a gym rat. She's not adjusting well to not being able to walk. Uh, 100% weight-bearing for the next couple of weeks. But uh, she can put a little weight on it, and that's good, and that was not the original plan. But surgery said, surgeon said she did really great and came through it like a champ, so that's excellent. Um, shows coming up next week, we have Charles Vaugh, um from El Tejedor Listo talking about his uh, interesting career in both English and Spanish. And uh, the week after that, June 11th, we will have Chrissy Simpson will be visiting. She hasn't been on in probably 800 years. And um, she's got a lot of new books in the last six years that she will tell us all about. So that'll be pretty cool. Um, and, you know, more stuff coming as I get it together. I'm still not unpacked, but, you know, here it goes. Anyway, tonight's guest is Lindsay Stevens. Lindsay is a near fearless crafter with a passion for making things. You might already know her as the crochet and knit designer behind Poetry and Yarn. Lindsay spends her time crafting 24-6. No crafting on Shabbos because she observes that. Uh, She shares her expertise with her signature wit and humor on her website, www.thelindsaylife.com. And that's Lindsay, S-E-Y. And I just killed a bug, which is what that noise was. Uh, Lindsay also works as a technical editor for Crochet and Knit Patterns as a website manager and is a mom of two. And I can attest to all of those things because Lindsay is one of my tech editors. And I enjoy working with her now that I have killed the scary bug on the wall. Let's see if I can get her on the show. Hi. Hello. Yay. I want to warn everybody, Lindsay's been having sinus issues all week, too. So if she mutes and coughs, it's it's not, she's not leaving us on purpose. No, uh, no. (laughs) I am. I uh, always enjoy the first warm day of spring. It's like the week after that when my sinuses are inflamed. <laughs> that is relatively miserable. But I'm well, super excited to. Pollen. 
we don't have any pollen down here in North Carolina right now because it's apparently been raining for the whole week that I was gone, and I looked at the weather app, and it's supposed to rain until I go to New York on Friday. So um, apparently the rain's keeping all the pollen down, so knock wood, I haven't been having any problems. See, I should just be down there with you, and that would, like, solve well, so many issues. Yes, I, 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 need, I need somebody to come in and you know, the thing with all this travel is that I have not unpacked squat. <laughs> There's just boxes everywhere, and it's terrifying. And I'm, I've been trying to do that thing where, like, every time I re- leave a room, I grab something and put it away. Uh, but the problem, of course, is that I don't know where away should be half of the time. Well, you know, so, like, yeah. I moved um, up here to Connecticut from Texas back in 2007, and I think there's still probably a box or two. Um, <laughs> that have original items that have yet to be unpacked. I think what I'll do next time is I'll put, like, one yarn from my stash in every single box, and that would, like, encourage me to get through the unpacking because I will be like, where's that one ball of, you know, fingering weight cashmere or whatever? Well, I did I did post on Instagram, which is uh, hooked number four life LLC, for those of you who are so inclined. Um, I did post on there. I had used balls of yarn, um, Burnett, softy, chunky, as a matter of fact, <laughs> to pack my wine glasses because <laughs> I had one of those divided boxes, and those that those balls of yarn just fit very neatly in the top. <laughs> Kept on, that didn't break a single. <laughs> so, what is going on in your knit and crochet life, Miss Lindsay? Oh well, um, a little of this, a little of that. Question for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've got, let's see, in the design world, I've got the first project I can't talk about. Um, I've got uh, the second project I probably shouldn't talk about. This This is how design work works, unfortunately. Sadly, but um, let me ask you the traditional first getting whippy question, which is, um, when did you learn to crochet and who was it that taught you? Okay. Um, so it's kind of a two-part answer. My grandmother tried to teach me how to crochet, um, and she was like, come over here, let me show you something. And she showed me how to do a chain stitch. And I was like doing chains and doing chains, and she you know, was obviously from an older generation, and she said, now watch this. And she did some stuff, and all of a sudden there was a flower. <laughs> and I was incredibly confused. So I went home and I just continued chaining and I couldn't figure out what you did with these long chains that would eventually result in a blanket. But that's because, um, you know, I'm not sure that she necessarily had the terms like this is a double crochet, this is a slip stitch, you're going to slip, you know, chain three, double crochet. In um, Well, I have often said that just because one can crochet does not mean that one is, uh, is going to be excellent at teaching it. Teaching and doing are two different skills. (laughs) So, you know, many years later, um, I tried to reproduce the flower bookmark that she made, and it's actually a free pattern on my website right now on the lindsaylife.com. L-I-N-D-S-E-Y. Yes, Lindsay with an E. An E, I tell you. Um, (laughs) So after that, fast forward, And I had tried to teach myself to knit, um, and I tried to teach myself to knit with this, like, really roughly boucle yarn, and that was a disaster. And um, my – 
my stepniece was visiting us. And at the time, my husband and I were totally into Law and Order. So we were like binge watching Law and Order all day long. Mm. So she was crocheting while we were watching all these Law and Order episodes. And she never had more than three loops at any one time to deal with. And I was like, man, this is awesome. I have got to figure this out. Um, (laughs) So I ended up picking up a book. And um, I am primarily a self-taught crocheter. And I just kind of followed the steps on the book. And I made a bunch of mistakes. And I figured out what I did wrong. And I went back and I did it right. And I've been crocheting ever since. Well, that's very cool. And then how did you make the um, segue into technical editing? Because I know, but our listeners do not, uh, that your educational background is in math. Is that right? Yes, I am actually, at least for the next month, I'm a certified math teacher in the state of Texas, which doesn't help much when I live in Connecticut, but details. Um, so my, yeah, this is what happens when you move. Um, right. So my formal training and education was as a math teacher, and I really loved all the mathematical parts of crochet patterns and design. And someone came along, and they're like, hey, you know, I know you're a math person. I know you crochet. Do you tech at it? And I'm like, oh, no, I don't tech at it. And then, you know, the second person came along, and she's like, you know, hey, do you tech at it? And I'm like, no, I don't tech at it. And by the time the fourth or fifth person asked, I'm like, maybe I should look into this um, and see what it's all about. And it just seemed to wind up being a very good fit. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it sounds perfect to me because with your math background and also the fact that you've learned from a book, I think it gives you an idea what needs to be said, you know, because we all sort of have different ideas about what has to be in the pattern and what doesn't. I think mm-hmm. that may give you a little uh, a little bonus on um, what should be in the pattern and what shouldn't be in the pattern. Now, do you well, enjoy you know, the I- Oh, go ahead. Finish your thought. Well, I was going to say that I've noticed a really big difference um, between the amount of kind of explanatory information that you get on, like, indie patterns and patterns um, you might find online on websites and between patterns that you're typically going to find, you know, in magazines and in books. And I think Mm -hmm. the patterns that I see on websites and that I see being indie published are generally a lot heavier on explanations and hand-holding, which in some ways is good. Um, And, you know, it depends on who your market is and who you're looking. I was going to say it depends because sometimes I get people that say, I wish there were more tutorials and photos and hand-holding in this. And some people like, I know how to hook it to the stupid point. And and it's interesting that you should say that because um, uh, when I was teaching how to be a designer classes, Lindsay was actually one of my first students. Um, So I'm very excited for that reason to have her. But, um, you know, the thing that I kept saying that actually doesn't matter a darn anymore was, you know, you got to have the pattern be two or three pages long because you don't want your print costs to go through the ceiling. I think 
that because people don't have to pay for printing, they think that a 20-page pattern is a good idea. And I, I, you know, maybe there's a market for that. It's certainly not me. You know, if it yeah. if if it takes you more than three pages to write a pattern, I feel like you're doing something wrong. But um, that's so you know, for that's for me as a crocheter. Yeah, so for me as a crocheter, I'm gonna lean towards patterns um, that are a bit shorter. Like I had a friend who was very excited about a pattern once, and she was like, we should both make this together. And I was like, okay. And she's like, the pattern's great. It's like 80 pages. And I'm like, oh, God, no. Um, you know, I, that, that, that just scared me away. Um, I prefer kind of a more concise pattern and then helpful explanatory material like on the side or – at the end or the beginning, if I need to refer to that. Um, whereas there are a lot of patterns nowadays that put the whole step-by-step -step, um, pieces into the text of the pattern itself, which I'm not saying is a bad thing because there are a lot of people out there who do not live close to a yarn store that will teach them how to crochet. And they... Right. Do not get to go and take your awesome classes at um, different, you know, national events. So, you know, there definitely is a place and a need for that. But I think once you're a more confident crocheter, it's nice to have things that are a little more compact. Well, that was certainly a very um, gracious way of putting that. Uh, you know, the other thing that I wonder about with the hand-holding, and this is just me talking, is how do, you learn, how do you learn to do anything else if you have convinced yourself that the only way you can do a pattern is if it has, uh, you know, a, a for dummies sort of feel to it? I, I well, think, uh, I mean, I know a lot of crocheters that don't read patterns that they learned the way you did from your grandmother and, and, you know, they never did learn how to read patterns and that they can be a little off-putting. Um, but I always wonder that people that have learned on the 20-page patterns have not learned enough skills to then go and do something else because so, they learned how to read that one pattern, not how to read patterns in general. Or am I a I, job? No, I see what you're saying. Um, I think that can come down more to the personality of the person. And I hate to say it, it's almost a self-esteem issue. Um, one of the things, and this is going back to my math teacher background, um, that <laughs> I learned about is um, the concept of a paralyzed perfectionist. And this actually comes up um, when they're teaching science to girls quite a lot. Because science is a lot of you try something, um, it blows up, sometimes literally, and then you have to go back and try again. Um, and girls, and consequently now we're talking women who are learning to crochet, can be very hesitant to try something if they're not sure that it's really going to work out. And I think the more detailed patterns that have the step-by-step -step photos for every little part give you that assurance, but at some point you have to be willing to like take the leap and say, I'm going to try something. And if it doesn't work, that doesn't mean it was a waste of time. I still learn. That's a really interesting point. And I still I process. I think that's fascinating. Well, 
Thank you. Um, no, but I, I kind of came to this conclusion after dealing with the number of projects I started and never finished. Mm-hmm. And there was like this very wise woman in my local knit and crochet group who said, you know, it's not a mark of failure. That project was there when you needed it. It gave you the enjoyment you had in it. And now you're ready to move on. You know, and so I think, you know, so I think when you're ready to try something new, accept the fact that you're probably going to botch it up the first couple times. But that's okay because that's part of the process. The problem is not trying something new and failing. The problem is stopping when you fail and not trying again and not continuing on. Well, wow, that was a lot deeper than I expected for a crochet podcast. I'm sorry. I felt like, so my husband would tell you that I'm very fond of, like, the self-help pop psychology books. (laughs) I know, but that's that's really cool. And and it is, I I mean, not just science. It is interesting how many people that will um, put the effort into coming to an expensive class of mine and then freak themselves out and you know, I'm sorry I don't get it. I'm sorry I don't get it. I'm sorry I don't get it. And I would say, if you got it, you wouldn't have paid for the class. And I'd starve to death because I wouldn't have a job. So it's okay yeah, that no. you don't get it while you're here because you came here to learn how to get it. You know? Yeah, you know, I've told my math students that. I'm like, if you understood everything the first time, I would not have a job. We would just hand you right. the textbook and walk away. You know, I am here because it is expected that you will not get it. Um, But with crochet, I have um, been truly inspired by some of my students. Um, I teach crochet and knitting locally um, at my local yarn store, um, New England Yarn and Spindle, and Mm -hmm. also at some senior senior centers locally. And I've had a student um, at a senior center who really had trouble with the single crochet stitch, But she stuck with it, and she stuck with it, and she was going to keep at it until she had it. And it took her a long, long time, but she had it, and then she just took off with it. Like, she was making, you know, her own bags and her own purses and everything, but it was because she didn't let that initial hurdle get her down. Which is very cool. But And then I wonder, you know, we talk a lot about the difference between project stitchers and process stitchers. I wonder if the process stitchers are more likely to stick to it because even if it's frustrating and it's not doing what they wanted and they're not getting the result they necessarily wanted, that it's the action of creating that's making them stick to it anyway. So, you know, I, I think of designers, um, some designers as being organic designers and some designers mm-hmm. as being more structured designers. So because I come from a math background, like, I want things to be symmetrical. Um, <laughs> yeah. I do, too, and I have no math background, but this is like Mary Beth can't freeform. It's yeah. Because as and soon as I put light. something on the right hand, I need to put the exact same thing on the left hand, and if I don't, it makes me twitch. <laughs> yeah, I have this friend um, who's excellent at crazy quilting, and she's like, oh, you just go with it. And I'm like, I can't. I, I just can't do that. Like, I need a plan. But as a technical editor, I see patterns coming in, and I can kind of tell, okay, this is someone who more organically designs 
Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a pattern uh, by someone who just kind of goes with it. But, I, you know, that's another part of personality that I saw early on in my local knit and crochet group. Um, when you're working a pattern, eventually you will do something wrong. And you will usually realize it 10 rows later. So the question <laughs> is, Chan what do you do? design modification. She says that's how people start designing. It's because yeah. they've changed the pattern. And it's so, better, you know, they feel like it's better to uh, go with that and change things, continue to change things up uh, than to rip out and start over again. So Doris always says that's how people start designing, is they have changed yeah. a pattern and they're not quite sure how to get out of it. Definitely. So, I mean, there are different personality types, and some people are very much going to rip out those 10 rows to fix that one mistake, and other people are just going to do an extra decrease to get back to the stitch count they need. I noticed that in teaching, too. There are people that will rip back to the very start 52 times because they're not going to leave with a swatch with a mistake because they feel like. But sometimes, too, I think that's a matter of how people learn Sometimes people feel like they can't leave with a mistake because they have to make sure that they get it in their brains. But alternatively, there are people like, okay, it's wrong. I understand why it's wrong. I get the mechanics of what I'm supposed to be doing, so I'm just going to chunk an extra decrease in there and and uh, catch up later. So I, I think yeah, that well, happens with students as well. There's There's, you know... There's some people that work in one manner and some people that work in another and possibly never the twain shall meet, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of muscle memory involved in crochet. Um, And you're basically, especially when you're first learning something, you're kind of training your hands to do something that they haven't had to do before. And so the Mm -hmm. analogy I've always used is like, it's like when you're learning to drive and you have to back out of the parking space. And as like a 16-year-old with a learner's permit, backing out of the parking space is like a 10-minute full concentration ordeal you know now that I've been driving for so many years I can like back out in two minutes while yelling at one kid and taking care of something else and you know it's a more automatic um, process and so that's it with crochet and also learning is repetition like you just have to keep at it and keep going and keep practicing and that's how you learn Sure, but those of us that are project people rather than process people, boy, we want we want a thing. We want there to be a so, thing so, at the end of so, all this aggravation. So that's why and the God good Lord created chunky yarn and coffee <laughs> cup cozies. Because you can there whip you go. those out like nobody's now, business. Speaking of design aesthetic, do you feel like you have a particular metier? Is there something that you're... Uh, more well-known for something that you may think you're better at than other things? Are you a garment person or a, you know, what what makes your design work tick? So with my design work, um, I've had some people describe my designs as lacy and airy. Mm-hmm. And um, I've had another person actually say, you know what the great thing is about you is that you kind of do a little bit of everything. Um, I'm not the hat person, and I'm not the shawl person. I have some hats. I have some shawls. I have a pair of socks. You know, I have a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And um, 
that's, I think that's just me. Like, I can't, I get interested in shawls and how shawls work and the different ways of shaping a shawl, and I want to explore that. And then I put that aside because I'm interested in garments, and I want to look at the different types of garment construction and how that works and ways to play around with that. And so Mm -hmm. really a lot of the poetry and yarn patterns um, that I've put out have been kind of the pathway of my explorations in crochet and knit design. Mm -hmm. Um, And the poetry and yarn patterns are available. The free ones are on your blog. The paid ones are on Ravelry. Is that right? Yes, Ravelry. Um, I've got a designer page, which actually if you go to the lindsaylife.com, um, there's a link in the header bar to my Ravelry designer page. And if you go to poetryandyarn.com, it will take you to the page on my website about poetry and yarn and those patterns. Um, and then what, what caused you to uh, – why are you why are you rebranding? What caused you to change – I mean, you haven't gotten rid of poetry and yarn, but what turned poetry and yarn into the Lindsay Lives? Um, So it was a combination of a couple different things. Um, The first part was I was starting to explore things like sewing and Mm -hmm. um, paper crafting and things that just kind of fell outside the realm of yarn. Um, And so I wanted to be able to kind of encompass that in my website Mm -hmm. and in the stuff I can share with people. Um, from the beginning, people were always like, why do you call it Poetry and Yarn? It should have been like Lindsay's Designs or Lindsay Stevens Designs. And I'm like, do you know how many different ways there are to spell Lindsay Stevens? Um, like yeah. if I had to have... <laughs> I didn't even think of that, but Stevens can be just as horrible as Lindsay so far as uh, alternative spellings go. Yeah, I remember sitting with Andy Graves at a CGOA meeting once, and she was like, why are you like... You know, Lindsay Stevens Designs. I'm like, because I'd have to buy six different URL addresses to catch all the possible misspellings <laughs> of my name. That, that makes perfect sense to me. And even then, um, it would, <laughs> even then it wouldn't work. And I also think um, the Lindsay, poetry and yarn is very much crochet in it, crochet in it. And the Lindsay life um, kind of expands into crafting and a bit more into other aspects of my life. So I am Jewish. So like one of the freebies I put on my website was a coloring page for a Jewish holiday um, Mm -hmm. that I came up with. And, you know, it's just kind of being able to share a little bit more about me, a little bit more about what I do. Um, I guess I kind of like to think I make all the Pinterest fails so you don't have to. Um, (laughs) I have to tell you, I just I recently had uh, had the show Nailed It on Netflix. <laughs> I was watching it recently, and it it just was amazing. For those I I have I'm not an affiliate or anything. I just thought it was hilarious. It's it's cooks. It's home cooks that think they are adequate cooks going onto a television show and finding out that they are not. But uh, it's, yeah, it's well, see that's the and it is just that's the thing. me greatly recently. So I used to watch those cooking shows. And there's always, like, all these people who have worked in a professional kitchen and then, like, the one, like, person who, like, is the stay-at-home mom. And right. the stay-at-home mom is always the first person off. 
And internally, I'm like, but I could do it. You know, I have no <laughs> professional kitchen experience, but I'm sure I could make a risotto that Gordon Ramsay would be proud of. You know, um, it's kind of like, I don't know if you've read the book Divergence. Yes, I have. But, okay, so, uh, well, I don't know if everybody listening has read it, so I'm going to paraphrase a little. Fair Basically, enough. there's yep. there's this main character, and she goes through all these physical and emotional challenges and you're kind of like rooting for her the whole way because internally you see yourself like that you see like I could be presented with this huge immense challenge and I could do it and I could overcome but in like chapter one there's this part where she has to like jump onto a moving train and everybody's Mm -hmm. doing this and I'm like I know I'm not her jumping on to the moving train. I'm really the guy who, like, tried and fell down and got left behind and was never mentioned in the book again. <laughs> it's like, I will be the one with the broken ankle going, wait for me. If I recall correctly in that book, though, they don't wait. <laughs> No, they don't. You, you fall you fall off the train, you are out of luck, as I believe how that goes. But no spoilers, yes. no spoilers. Um, now, no. I understand that you are working on a project that is not out yet that will be about fitting. Are you sharing yes. your technical editing genius with us as well as your design skills that will be about fitting for both crocheters and knitters? Can you talk about that? I know it's not available yet. Sure. Uh, but if it's, you could um, give a little about that, that would be cool. We're in the first stage of editing, and um, the working title right now is Body Measurements for Crochet and Knit Garment Design. And one of the things, um, when I first started designing garments, I realized that there was all this stuff that I had no clue about. Um, Some people come to garment design with crochet and knitting with like a wonderful background. Like I know you were in like professional costume design and right. and so consequently like you know of gussets and you know neckline <laughs> shaping <laughs> and like all right. these things. <clears throat> but I think there are a lot of people who maybe haven't taken the sewing route first and um, they've got these great garment ideas but learning how to fit your idea to a human body and to human bodies in different sizes um, is something that takes a bit of knowledge and understanding because it's not just the bust or the chest measurement that you have to look at. Um, There's Mm -hmm. a whole laundry list of measurements that matter and that you have to take into account. And... um, You know, when I was starting out (coughs) as a crocheter and I really wanted to learn about this stuff, there wasn't a lot available for crocheters. And I basically had to to some extent there still isn't, and particularly if you want to get into extended size ranges, because you know, I I talked about this when the Curvy Girl crochet book came out. I wound up making up all those sizes on my own, but I bought ready to wear. I bought ready to wear patterns and. Uh, extrapolated the the plus sizing from there because a lot of people 
frankly, even in garments until they they learn better, but people are taught to, you know, make a size 8 and grade up from there. Well, that's fun in games to a certain extent, but it doesn't work for everything every time, and it particularly does not work on the plus size or, you know, the alternative, the, you know, the tiny sizes. None of that yeah. really works if you just sort of make an 8 and punch, you yeah. know. And, and a and lot even of us are confident at making garments for the size that we are, you know, because we've we've had to deal with that at one point or another. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, and um, I... Maybe I not think, so much on the extensions. Yeah, the extensions, and I think, you know, now that I understand this stuff, I can look at a human body and understand what parts are important and what parts I should focus on. But I remember, like, at one point there was a little challenge online, like, design your own crocheted sock. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay. And I looked at my foot, and I was like, what do I do? Like, <laughs> I had never crocheted a sock before. I had never knit a sock. Socks were something you bought at the store. And, like, I had to do all this research to figure out, you know, things like toe circumference, foot circumference, you know, what are the measurements I'm looking for and what are the parts of the body that matter that I'm trying um, to fit. So um, especially as a technical editor, I see a lot of garment patterns. And I just kind of want to provide something to say, like, hey, you've got this great idea and you want to make it work. And there are a lot of people who come up with their own designs or make something just for themselves But if you're trying to make it multiple sizes or you're trying to publish it, it's because you want to share what you've made with other people and you want them to enjoy it too. And part of them enjoying that beautiful sweater design is being able to fit their head through the neck hole. Like, (laughs) neatly put. Yes. You know, know, these are the small details that um, that I kind of talk about in the guide that I'm working out. Um, now, do you have about, an estimated time of arrival for that? Do you know when it's going to be available? Because I want it. <laughs> so, so originally I was like, you know, oh, I'm going to pump this out, and when I'm on the air with Mary Beth on May 28th, it's going to be available. And then I was like, you know, there's really a lot to say about this. Um, and I really... <laughs> Yeah, you know, shocker. And um, I really want to do it justice. I would, I would say, hopefully, no later than the end of August. Mm-hmm. Um, and where I, will we look for it? Is it going to be on Ravelry, or are you doing print I copies? Don't know are you seeing this as a digital download? What do you think? So it's it's primarily going to start out as a digital download. Um, I will have to see about the logistics of posting it on Ravelry since it will not technically be a pattern. Um, if you go to the right. lindsaylife.com, there is a page specifically for crafty professionals and aspiring professionals. And, of course, mm-hmm. if you sign up for the newsletter, you'll definitely be one of the first people to um, find out about it when it is available. Now, how frequently does the newsletter come out? Um. It depends on my life. (laughs) (laughs) See, I've been been spending this week getting yelled at by people for being inconsistent with my newsletter and whatnot. 
I'm, I hate to tell you, I'm glad to hear I'm not alone. No, and, no, uh, you also, are not alone. Also, my newsletter is the only thing that is currently GDPR compliant. Oh, God. It's the only thing yeah. I can figure out. Yes, so we can thank the uh, European Union and their GDPR personal data regulations that they've come out with um, for the fact that every newsletter that you are subscribed to ever has probably sent you an email in the past week um, it's asking not you. Uh, for those yeah. of you that are on the newsletter for Love Knitting, uh, the last two were like, and another GDPR newsletter because we have to. You know, they weren't yeah, even so pretending there was anything in there other than, you know, we have to send this out so we don't get in trouble. Um, so I, I actually sent out the email. And it was one of the things, I feel so stupid sending this out. I'm like, there are new regula- regulations in the European Union. That's not the stupid part. That's perfectly normal and acceptable, and I actually think that in theory they're a good idea. I'm sure you thought when you signed up for my newsletter that you were giving me permission to use your email address to send you my newsletter. But from mm-hmm. a legal standpoint, I need you to reconfirm that. Because apparently right, filling out the double newsletter sign-up form yeah. wasn't sufficient. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I'm um, losing my mind over the whole thing. I'm still – you don't tell anybody. I don't want to get in trouble. I'm still trying to fiddle around with what needs to be done and what doesn't need to be done. But I understand there was eight-point-something billion dollars worth of lawsuits filed last week for Google and Facebook. So – I'm thinking it's going to take a little while until they get to me anyway. Well, I don't see, have so $8.6 billion. Yeah. I, I'm like, I could spend all the money I make for my website in a year to pay a lawyer for an hour. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, um, but I think that's where things like this can kind of, I don't want to say hurt the, like, small micro business, uh, one of the terms I heard lately that I like is solopreneur. So not an mm-hmm. entrepreneur, but a solopreneur. You're one person um, mm-hmm. doing this. Like Facebook has lawyers that they can consult, you know, and well, get all their questions. sitting around getting paid anyway. They're like, oh, thank God I have something to ask them because i got to pay them this retainer whether I ask them anything this week or not. <laughs> Yeah, but anybody who's like a, a single a independent crochet designer or a knit designer who has a website, they're using something to build their website. And right. it's not like, you know, like let's say WordPress. It's not like WordPress said, oh, the deadline is May 25th. So we're going to come out with everything in early February so everybody using WordPress will have the chance <laughs> Right. To like go over it. No, like they they wrapped it up. Actually, I don't know exactly when WordPress wrapped everything up, so I could be wrong. They could have finished in February. I feel and like it was just it took me till May to figure it out. Deadline. You know, I could be wrong, and I don't want to get sued by WordPress, but I don't feel like it was you know late last year. <laughs> you know, I feel like it was sometime this last week. And and again, and then um, my other understanding, and I'm again, I'm trying to work through it myself is. You know, just then you get WordPress done, and then you got to check every stupid widget that you use because the widget or the plugin 
may not comply in the same way that WordPress in general complies, and then you have to look into that too. So I can say with authority that my newsletter is GDPR compliant. Other than that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do not. I can't. So I'm working on my privacy policy. I'm working on my privacy policy for my website. And I want to. I have no clue how any of this works. (laughs) If your data is being stored anywhere, it's not by me. (laughs) Yeah. And like, apparently, there are nefarious ways I could use the data that I've been getting. But that never occurred to me. We somehow missed the boat. Like, I could have been doing that shady crap all this time. Like, all that occurs to me when I get a pattern sale email is, oh, cool, I made a sale. Yeah. And apparently there were other people who had other ideas <laughs> about right. what to do exactly. with this information. But, well, but I don't do that. Analytica. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I have no idea what's happening with half of this stuff. But, again, yes. I can so, say with authority that my newsletter is, is GDPR uh, compliant, and that's because of uh, – uh, uh, somebody that works with a mutual friend of ours looked at me last week and said, how about I just do that for you because it would be way less stressful for me than watching your brain leak out your ears. Here, here, give me the iPad and your sign-in. I'll just fix it. <laughs> so, I'm very thankful so, for that human being. So that's one thing that got done. So, yeah, going back to your original question of how often do I send out my newsletter, if you sign up oh, for good, my newsletter. because we only have three minutes left, and you were worried yeah. we wouldn't have 45 minutes worth of stuff to say. <laughs> one day, I hope to be able to say that I consistently send you one email a week, but we're not there right. yet. <laughs> yeah. And I would like well, to get you... back there. I, uh, I actually got my, uh, my newsletter stuff. Uh, you know, I, I reset the passcodes and everything and found all the old subscribers and all that kind of stuff because um, I, I would like – and I will say if you get a newsletter from me in the next couple of weeks and you want to opt out, you go right ahead. I'm just trying to – you know, I'm sure there are people that signed up for the newsletter 12 years ago that, you know, probably don't even stitch anymore. <laughs> you know? So um, – uh, but yes, I have I have been told by people whose opinion matters to me that the newsletter should come back. But hey, I got getting Luby back. Um, Linz, I'm going to hang up on you because it's almost over. Uh, is okay, there anything you want to say to the nice fun. people that I didn't that you didn't get in? No, thank you all so much um, for listening to me blab on for this long, and thank you, Mary Beth, for having me. And it's great to have getting Luby back on there. Oh, thank you. Well, and thanks for joining us. All right, I'm going to hang up on you because I have like two things I have to say and then the show's over. All right, Liz, I'll talk to you a little bit. Bye. Bye. So that was Lindsay Stevens, The Lindsay Life, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, life.com. Go check things out. Here's the things I forgot to say about me. It's all about me. Uh, The newsletter is coming back. Uh, If you haven't signed up for it, you can do it on hookedforlifepublishing.com slash blog. Speaking of that, a new free pattern went up last week that you may have missed. It is for a hooded bath, baby bath towel in Lily Sugar and Cream Yarn from Yarnspirations.com. And they very kindly gave me a 20% off coupon that you can use on the Lily Sugar and Cream through June 6th. So if you're listening to this episode in real time or you're listening to it this week and you want to get 20% off Lily Sugar and Cream, click over to the blog and uh, then click wherever it's highlighted that it says Lily Sugar and Cream and use the code HOOKEDLILY20. 
and that that runs through June 6, 2018. Um, but it's a cute little pattern. It was in I Like Crochet originally. Uh, there's also a little uh, little newborn hat on there. There's some new free stuff up there since the last time you looked. I would also like to uh, grovel a little bit. Back in the olden days, uh, a lot of you guys did your Amazon shopping through the Amazon ad on gettingloopy.com to help support the podcast. The Amazon ad is back. It is on, of course, hookforlifepublishing.com slash blog. Once again, if you click on the Amazon ad, it doesn't matter what you buy. You don't have to click on the Amazon ad on the blog and purchase you know, what was in the ad. But if you are a regular Amazon purchaser and would like to support the podcast, I would be eternally grateful if you would go to the blog, click on Amazon, and then do your shopping. It costs you nothing but time, um, and the the commission that is earned comes back here to keep the lights on at Getting Loopy, and I would really appreciate it. A lot of you guys were really, um, really great about doing that in the olden days, and it helped out. And so if anybody is so inclined to do that again, I would be eternally grateful. Um, I'm going to hang up because it's just about out of time. Don't forget Charles Voss next week, um, also a knit and crochet designer and tech editor, and another dear friend and somebody I'm excited to share his opinion with you. And the week after that, we have author, prolific author and wonderful designer Christy Simpson and with more guests coming up later. So thanks so much for joining us. Oh, and we'll be back on iTunes next week. So if you're listening to this organically and you want to get it on iTunes or you want to tell your friends to get it on iTunes, I have uh, finally figured out the paperwork and I put it in today. So hopefully by next week we will be back uh, on the iTunes RSS feed. So I'm trying to get us back the way we belong. Thanks so much for joining us as always. I look forward to seeing you guys next week. Good night.